Why, hey there. Can ergonomics regulations and occupational health and safety law give you an edge in providing ergo services, or does it just make you a commodity? We're going to talk more about this today. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Welcome to the show. So pumped that you're here. Thank you for taking the time on your day, hang out with me, and for being a listener. So what I really value when it comes to offering your own Urger services to employers is the ability to charge what you want to charge. Whether you want to charge as high as you possibly can, moderate, or if you think lower prices is going to get you customers, I want you to give to have the freedom and the flexibility to do whatever you want. At the same time, I want to bring up some elements that you can provide to how you're representing your services so that if you're hesitating about charging the higher prices, but you really want to, then uh, this is going to be the assets or the ammunition, if you will, that you can back the prices that you want to charge. Um, The first thing I want to talk about is commodity-based pricing. When I think of that, I think of going to the store and buying something like a banana. If you're in the world of commodity-based pricing, then you are at risk for customers price shopping for the lowest possible prices. And if we're going into the world of regulations and standards related to ergonomics, there could be a lot more competition when it comes to offering ergonomic services because it now takes the ability to sell ergonomics with something that employers must have. So if an employer must have ergonomic services or some sort of ergonomic solution at their workplace, it may cause ergonomics to be a check in the box instead of a value-based wellness program that some of us are representing ergonomics as, which is, again, totally fine. However, knowing what's at stake here, I want you to consider how you are currently representing your services. We're going to get into that as a conversation after we talk about occupational safety and health law and what are some elements to include in a really good ergonomics program so that um, you can get away from the commodity aspect of ergonomics, aka the race to the bottom. Now, you probably already knew, because I know my audience is super educated, that OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration in the United States, already had a standard. They went through the process of rulemaking and even an early draft on the standard, and this began in the early 1990s. And 
and in January 2001, OSHA adopted the ergonomic standard. It was short-lived. A few months later, in March 2001, the Bush Administrative Administration repealed it. Now, after that, in lieu of a standard, OSHA issued guidance to employers and relied on the General Duty Clause for enforcement. And that is very similar to many different countries, including Canada. There is a General Duty Clause in our Occupational Safety and Health legislation. However, in saying that, there are particular states and countries that have an ergonomics standard or regulation. So if you hear that the state that you live in has this, I really want to encourage you to do your due diligence and how you can structure your business around this so you can have a steady flow of customers. Currently, Oregon, California, and New Hampshire are the only states that regulate workplace ergonomics to prevent injuries. South Africa is one such country that has an ergonomics regulation as well that was put in place a couple years ago. I remember the, the um, pandemic really shifted the rollout of that. And in California, it requires employers to put in an ergonomics program if certain parameters, such as the number of employees, are met. And whenever there is ergonomics regulation in a state, it's in addition to any federal OSHA requirements. So that's something to keep in mind. One more thing to put on your radar. So I mentioned that Oregon, California, and New Hampshire are the only states that regulate workplace ergonomics. Well, in Washington state, the Senate is looking to pass a bill that would restore the state's ability to look at musculoskeletal injuries with the use of ergonomics. All right, so it's clear that the role of ergonomics providing value to workplaces will never go away. How can we provide employers with as much value so that ergonomics is not seen as a commodity and they see clearly that we are offering major value? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is the single biggest thing that ergo service providers can recommend to an employer, and that's an integrated ergonomics program. This is a seven-pillar system that I'm going to walk you through today. This is something that, uh, you know, is a little bit um, dense in terms of information here. So if you are listening to this episode right now, I want to encourage you to check out the blog post. And that is going to be linked in the description. So you can check that out and get the information that is required for you to incorporate this into how you sell your services and your description about your services. Listen to the end of this episode because I'm going to be giving you um, some strategies of how you move forward with this and how do you ensure that you're not representing your services as a commodity, even if you are in uh, an area where they regulate ergonomic services. Okay, so the number one thing here, this first pillar is management support. 
when you're going into an organization, strong commitment by management is critical to the overall success of an ergonomics process. The management should define clear goals and objectives for the ergonomics process, discuss them with their workers, and assign responsibilities to designated staff members and communicate clearly with the workforce. The second thing that an integrated ergonomics program has is the ability to involve workers. In providing information about the hazards in their work areas, encouraging them to offer suggestions for reducing exposure and evaluating the changes made as a result of an ergonomics assessment. Getting particular attention lately is the participatory ergonomics process. This is something that I happen to be an expert in. With a participatory ergonomics approach, workers are directly involved in worksite assessments and hazard identification proactively, voicing their concerns and solution development and implementing solutions to reduce exposure to ergonomic risk factors. The really neat thing with participatory ergonomics is that you would go in as the expert and train a cross-functional group of employer and employee representatives. And then you would provide ongoing support to that team. However, as a method to mitigate the costs, the vast majority of actions would be completed by the workplace and not you. You would just be there for support. And that's what makes participatory ergonomics so attractive to employers because it is without the expensive consultation prices that come along with your expertise. The third pillar is providing training. Training is an important element in the ergonomic process. It ensures that workers are aware of ergonomics and its benefits become informed about ergonomics-related concerns in the workplace, and they understand the importance of reporting early symptoms of musculoskeletal disorders. The fourth pillar is to identify problems in the workplace. That means that worksite evaluations of each job, each process, or operation is required to determine exposures that have caused musculoskeletal disorders and the risk factors are prioritized. The fifth pillar is to encourage early reporting of musculoskeletal disorders to reduce the progression of symptoms and reduce the development of serious injuries and subsequent lost time claims. The sixth pillar is to implement solutions to control those hazards. And we're not just talking about stretching or procedural type of things here. We're talking about the high priority being on engineering controls, because as we all know, if you're listening to this podcast, it physically changes the ergonomic risk and even can eliminate the ergonomic risk to the workplace. Um, However, there are other ways to control risk that we both know exist. Um, We're talking about administrative controls as well. That's looking at the process and the procedures. 
job rotation. I really thought out well job rotation strategy where employees rotate between tasks that require different muscle groups. And really, each job that people rotate in should have an ergonomic assessment documented so that you can ensure that you're not exposing that worker to more ergonomic risk. Um, We have personal protective equipment, an important control measure to reduce the risk factors. And then we have comfort items such as, you know, padding um, around hard edges and stuff like that. It really comes down to the timely control of exposures that have resulted in musculoskeletal disorders here in this number six step here. Finally, step number seven, this is probably my favorite because we get to evaluate the progress. And this is such a fantastic way to market your success with an employer because you can evaluate the effectiveness of the ergonomic process and procedure to ensure continuous improvement and long-term success. As this is first development, assessments should include whether or not the priorities at first have been met. And if they're not met, what is the action plan to get you back on track? Annual reviews are really um, valuable here. So you can monitor trends before they escalate to really juicy problems. To conclude today's episode, I want you to really consider how you are representing your ergonomic services. Are you the type of person just to list the types of services that you offer on your website? Or maybe you just list it on your LinkedIn page? Do you also talk about how much you charge immediately next to the services that you offer? I want you to consider this. If there's more people getting in on the ergonomics bus because they see that there is an opportunity for employers to give them money, I want you to really think about how you are offering ergonomic services so that it's going to be more value for your competitor than your competitor down the street. And it takes away that idea that it's a commodity, that the customer is just looking for the lowest price because anybody can offer ergonomic services. Well, both you and me know that is not the truth whatsoever. So how can you declare this to your customers And often that means that you want to paint a picture for your customers at what is at stake if they ignore ergonomics and how you're going to solve the problems. And the reason why it's so useful is that it takes away the comparison between your business and maybe other people who are offering ergonomic services down the road. The reason why this is so useful is it takes away the Um, the commodity fight, the race to the bottom. And it makes it so that when your customer is comparing between multiple businesses doing this, it's an apples to oranges comparison, okay? It's taking you out of the commodity market so that your customers are looking for who can solve their problem the best and offer the best 
value to them instead of just price shopping um, to the lowest, the lowest bidder, so to speak. As we close off today's episode, I really want you to consider how you are representing your ergonomic services right now. Do a little audit. Is it clear to your customers what you do and how you do it and where the value is? Can't wait to chat to you in the next episode. Accelerate the Business of Ergonomics helps healthcare professionals building their own thriving ergonomic service business and it's opening for enrollment soon. You can register now just by going to ergonomicshelp.com biz to be the first notified once we open up the doors to accelerate so that you too can tap into the strategies to build, attract customers, and raise your income with your own ergonomic services. Join the notification list to get the processes, the resources, and your future members you'll work with inside the program. You'll be the first to know about any brand new free training that I release and you'll be the first in line when we open up the doors to accelerate the business of ergonomics next. All you got to do is head to ergonomicshelp.com slash biz to get started now.